Hello. 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 We welcome you to Sunday School Bonanza. Hi. <laughs> Thanks, gonna- Jeff. That was that was great. Thank you. We're joined by Eric Meldermere. Hi, Eric. Hi, Jeff. Nice to have you here again. Uh, of course, Sunday School Bonanza, where we go over gospel doctrine lessons to help you just get a better portion of the spirit and be better prepared for whatever it is you might be tackling. And we sing primary songs to start. It's fun. So we're in lesson 10 this week. This is my voice unto all. Eric puts it best. What is this lesson about, Eric? So this this lesson comes from Doctrine and Covenants section 25, which is the Lord's revelation through Joseph to Emma Smith. And it pulls out three main themes from that particular revelation. And we'll go through each of the three themes individually. Um, yeah. And uh, before we go there, I, I do like... Um if I, I like the attention activity in this one, okay? It's really just a story from Elder J.E. Jensen. Uh, some of you might, his image pops in my head. Uh, he talks about a story when he was a mission president. He was frustrated uh, just with the way things were going after a district conference. And, he was, and as he was going home, he would turn the pages of the scriptures looking for direction. And he found the third section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And it said, uh, when I read a verse, he said this, sorry, when I read a verse, I often insert my name in it. I did so with verse five and found the help I needed to remove my gloomy feelings. Then verse five says, behold, you, in this case, Jay Jensen, have been entrusted with these things, but how strict were your commandments? And remember also the promises which were made to you, Jay Jensen. The words remember also the promises struck me with unusual power. During those four days, I had focused on nothing but problems. I had not stopped to consider one single promise. And uh, I think as we frame this, I like thinking of making the scriptures actionable in our lives. You know, if we do we just read the council or do we look at it and say, how can I apply this and make myself a better person because of it by specifically doing what I've seen here? And at the same time, of course, putting our names into it. And like you said, this is counseled mostly to Emma Smith. But if we read this and put our own names on it and put our own spin on it, we see that there's great value to take from it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as we do this... Uh, Reading from section 25, Emma Smith, what the Lord says unto one, he says unto all. And so we can take, we can take this counsel from given to Emma Smith and apply it to ourselves. So section one, uh, or the first, the first theme of this lesson um, is... In section 25. In section 25, not section one. Theme number one in section 25 <laughs> is that husbands and wives should support and comfort each other. Now... Yeah. Uh, I myself am uh, not exactly in in that realm. I, I'm I'm a single guy still. Um, Jeff, recently married. Congratulations again. Thank you. Um, so Thank let, you so much. Let me give you a few words of advice here, Jeff. Okay. Tell um, me. Tell me. Show me. Show me. Show me. Husbands and wives are supposed to support each other. Um, the prophet Joseph Smith taught wives that they should treat their husbands with mildness and affection. When a man is borne down with trouble, yeah. when he is perplexed with care and difficulty, if he can meet a smile instead of an argument or a murmur, if he can meet with mildness, it will calm his soul and soothe his feelings. Amen to that. Why is my wife not here while we're saying? I'm yeah, just kidding. you know, she's she's out. To, we really need a woman on this lesson, but that's okay. We're just two guys trying our best. Please bear with us. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the prophet also taught husbands: it is the duty of a husband to love, cherish, and nourish his wife, and cleave unto her and none else. He ought to honor her as himself, and he ought to regard her feelings with tenderness. Hmm. Um, I, I, 
I, I see in in the church today, I think there's a lot of conversation around this topic, around the yeah, relationship yeah. between husbands and wives and, you know, forming that true equal partnership um, that that the Lord describes for us in, in many sections of the Doctrine and Covenants and, and throughout our scriptures and through modern revelation. This this is a hot topic here, and, and rightfully so. It's, one I think, yeah. one of the most important topics. You know, we believe that marriage is for time and all eternity and that you know, man without the woman, uh, neither is the woman without the man in the Lord. Um, so this relationship between husband and wife is incredibly important in, in, in the eternal scheme of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I like the, I like that we receive different counsel, but not unequal counsel, just as our, our roles in the gospel are just different, but not one better than the other. Um, and I can see that fulfillment. I'm, you know, pretty fresh into into marriage, but I've absolutely seen the value in that counsel, even at this very early stage uh, of of a wedding. I'm not trying to, you know, pontificate or anything, but um, but I think it is really valuable. If we need to serve one another and love one another, and I think it's funny that women are basically supposed to like help their husbands get out of the frustrations of life or what have you, as it says here. Um, but men need to remember their wives and comfort them. I think it's very easy. Uh, you find many men who are with the stresses of trying to be a provider can so often um, take that out on their spouse or just simply not remember their feelings and not have that perspective. And that's why we receive that counsel. It's, it's we've got we've got to keep that. We've got to always serve one another and love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to speak a little bit more about Emma Smith herself. Okay. Um, you know, in, in this lesson, it, it talks about. Um, when Joseph Smith was in hiding, and he 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 writes a le- uh, he writes a letter or uh, documents in his journal actually about when Emma comes to visit him, um, and he extols her virtues, um, just how incredible she is as as a woman, um, and and he describes her as undaunted, firm, and unwavering, unchangeable, affectionate Emma. Um, Emma Smith was really a tough lady. Um, she was given a, a difficult road to walk, and I think she walked it with with a lot of dignity and a lot of grace. Um, yeah. You know, she she fell in love with Joseph. They were they were they were young. Um, her family did not like Joseph Smith at all. Um, Isaac Hale, her father, uh, was very much not in favor of uh, Emma marrying Joseph. So that's why they had to elope. Um, and then for a large chunk of the early years of their marriage, they were living, um, on Isaac Hale's property, Mm -hmm. um, in their own kind of little, little cabin off to the side of the road. And it was, um, it was difficult. Um, they had a lot of children die at a very young age. Um, in, in the lesson here, it tells the story about, um, when, uh, Joseph and Emma, they lost, uh, they, they gave birth to twins when they had first got to Kirtland. They gave birth to twins, uh, both of whom died within hours of their birth. Um, at nearly the same time in the nearby city of Orange, Ohio, twins were born to John and Julia Murdoch, new converts to the church. And within six hours of the Murdoch twins' birth, Sister Murdoch died. So when Emma and Joseph learned of this, they asked Brother Murdoch if they might adopt the twins. Soon the two babies, Joseph and Julia Murdoch, were taken into the Smith's home. Um, I think that story just shows a little bit of the character of Emma Smith and what a yeah. great what a great person she is. Um, you know, her uh, her role within the, the history of the church 
has always been, um, you know, a little bit controversial just because of, you know, the way um, that she didn't follow the Saints West um, right. uh, later on. But I think I think that attitude towards Emma is is starting to change as as more things are brought to light and we we really come to understand her what she was asked to go through at that stage. Um, so the counsel given about husbands and wives supporting each other, um, you know, they Joseph and Emma really had an opportunity to practice that, um, and and I think they did they did very well with it. Yeah, and a lesser spouse on either end of that, with everything they went through, could have easily just started pointing fingers. And I mean, either way, Joseph could have felt like she was unsupportive. She could have felt like he was a crackpot and ruined her life. You know, but they were incredible to each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, further counsel if we get into verse fourteen specifically. Uh, the Lord commands Emma to continue in the spirit of meekness and beware of pride. So this is the main thing here, that we need to avoid pride. And there are countless scriptures that test to this. Doctrine and Covenants 31.1 to Oliver Cowdery, Beware of pride, lest thou should, shouldst enter into temptation. In 38.39, this was to a, a whole conference of the church, Beware of pride, lest you become as the Nephites of old. In section 90, verse 17, Uh, This is to the first presidency. Be admonished in all your high-mindedness and pride, for it bringeth a snare upon your souls. And in 98, 19, and 20, to all the saints, the Lord says, I, the Lord, am not well pleased with many who are in the church at Kirtland, for they do not forsake their sins and their wicked ways, the pride of their hearts and their covetousness. And of course, this begs the question, you know, what is pride? Um, and the most famous prophet of the latter days to talk about that is President Benson, of course. And if you've never seen his talk, Beware of Pride, read his talk, Beware of Pride, look for it on LDS.org. It's one of those landmark just talks in the modern era. But El- President Benson said, most of us think of pride as self-centeredness, conceit, boastfulness, arrogance, or haughtiness. All of these are elements of the sin, but the heart or core is still missing. The central feature of pride is enmity. Enmity toward God and, and and enmity toward our fellow men. Enmity means hatred toward hostility to or a state of opposition. I think that's a really interesting way uh, to look at that pride is actually, like President Benson says, that pride is essentially competitive in nature. We pit our own will against God's. Uh, it's not in the spirit of it's in the spirit of my will and not thine be done, as opposed to what we should be saying, thy will and not mine be done. Um, it's pretty interesting that we we talk a lot about how we need to put our desires and passions in line with the Lord. And that really is what pride is all about. It's about whether with the Lord or even with another person, simply arguing, no, I am right and you are wrong. And that's how it is. And I'm not going to budge on this because of my haughtiness, which is an element of pride. Um, the real question, though, is how does pride affect our relationship with others? I mean, Eric, have you seen pride deteriorate relationships that you've had with others in the past? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I think we all have, um, you know, pride is, pride is the thing that prevents us from forgiving each other's pride is the thing that, uh, enables us to hold on to grudges. Pride is the thing that, um, allows us to, to backbite and to gossip about others without, you know, without remorse. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen that in relationships at work. I've seen that in relationships with friends. It's, it's really, it's, it's the ever present, uh, the ever present sin and one that's so easy to fall into. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's contention and it can be so many small, seemingly minor things like, uh, president Benson says arguments, fights, unrighteous dominion. 
Uh, I really appreciate that the section is at a 90 where he admonishes the first presidency itself says, hey, just because you're leading this church does not put you in some elevated you know, social strata or anything like that. And that's really important to remember. I think it could be so easy to even develop pride in our spirituality and in church callings if we're not careful as if we are more uh, important than others. And of course, the way to overcome pride and have a spirit of meekness is just is humility, a broken heart, a contrite spirit. Um, huge blessings come to us when we are humble. And I think it's a natural struggle and challenge as we grow spiritually to eradicate pride from our lives. But in so doing, we are enormously blessed. And it's fine that we, it's a challenge. I think it's supposed to be. And I really envy those people who I can tell just are the meekest people on earth. I look at them and I marvel about them and I want to be just like them. And that's uh, something we can strive for. And of course, Emma was counseled that because I'm sure she had many opportunities to be prideful. Uh, but if we learn from her and put our ourselves in her place, we can uh, receive that counsel and, and take it on, make it better. Mm-hmm. All right. And the third theme that we pull out of uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 25 here is that we should rejoice and be of good cheer. Um, and this is an admonition the Lord gave to Emma Smith, lift up thy heart and rejoice. Um, Emma was instructed also to uh, compile the hymns, put together a hymn book for the church. And I think that's one expression of how we uh, lift up our hearts and rejoice. Yeah. Um, you know, music music played a very prominent role in the, in the early history of the church. You know, it's it's often said that uh, the the saints when they first arrived in the Salt Lake Valley, you know, one of the very first buildings to go up was a theater and a dance hall for uh, entertainment and amusement. Yeah. And uh, if uh, you've ever you know, from the time you're 14 years old, going to those uh, those young men's young women's dances, you know that uh, we Mormons. Enjoy our dancing. And rapping. Yes, and rapping. Um, do you remember that Mormon rap way that's back why, in the day? That, that's that, why I said wow. that. Wow. That, that takes me Mormon back to rap. the old school. Mormon rap. <laughs> I don't know how that didn't break during the Mitt Romney campaign. That would have, But anyway, that's another story. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, here are several other scriptures that admonish us to uh, be glad, be cheerful, be happy. Um in Doctrine and Covenants 29, verse 5, Lift up your hearts and be glad, for I am in your midst and am your advocate with the Father. DNC 61, 36, Be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst and I have not forsaken you. DNC 68, 6, Be of good cheer and do not fear, for I the Lord am with you and will stand by you. 78, 18, You cannot bear all things now, nevertheless be of good cheer, for I will lead you along. 136, 29, if thou art sorrowful, call upon the Lord thy God with supplication that your souls may be joyful. Um, men are that they might have joy. Now, what is joy? Uh, you know, obviously we know that it's it's more than just simple uh, temporary pleasure or, yeah. um, you know, fleeting feelings of happiness. It's it's a long, we, we have to take the long-term look at joy. Um because it doesn't mean that we're ever going to be able to escape sorrow, but it means that we'll be able to cope with it through the atonement of Christ. Um, and I, th- I think that's the most important exactly. thing. You know, we as Mormons, um, with the belief that we have in the atonement of Christ and how it heals all things and comfort comforts us, um, I believe that we of any people should be uh, the most joyful and the least afraid people on earth, you know, because there's nothing yeah. that 
we believe that there's nothing that we cannot overcome through the atonement of Christ. So we have no need to be fear, to be fearful or to be um, sorrowful. Um, let's be that's, cheerful. That's perfect. Yeah, and I think of that uh, talk by Elder Worthland a few years, years ago, Join the Journey, I think it was called. Same thing, yeah. We can be happy. And I like that you made the point to say that we will not escape tragedy, but we can decide how we cope with it and how much we allow our relationship with the Lord to get us through things and strengthen our testimonies. I mean, the, the real mark of struggle is if you come out better afterwards. If you don't, then you might want to check your, uh, reevaluate some of your the ways you relate to God and figure some stuff out. So great counsel to Emma Smith, and I think it can all be applied to all of us. So read section 25 as well as some of these other sections that we've talked about and put your own uh, name, put your own voice on the, on that section. I think it'll help quite a bit. Of course, this is lesson 10. This is my voice unto all. Eric, we're glad you've been here. Thanks, Jeff. What a great guy he is. And he's single, like he said. So for all you listeners out there, if you need him, he's a, he's a smart fella. So enjoy that. Uh, anyways, we hope this is useful for you. Please shoot us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisweekinmormons and at the real twim on Twitter. This has been Sunday School Bonanza brought to you by This Week in Mormons and we will talk to you all later. Are we going to sing another primary song to, to sign off here? Uh, is there a goodbye song in primary? Uh, I was just thinking of Once There Was a Snowman. On second thought. Once There Was a Snowman Snowman, snowman Once There Was a Snowman Small, small, small. Wait, that's it. No, it's over. He starts right. tall. No, it's twin. Been, okay, goodbye.